Hello and welcome to this Law in Sport podcast with me, Sean Cottrell, the founder and CEO of Law in Sport. In this show, I'll be speaking with Jim Bunting, a commercial litigator and sports lawyer at Davis, Ward, Phillips and Weinberg. Jim was one of the legal team who represented Dutty Chand in a recent victory against the IAAF and the Athletics Federation of India before the Court of Arbitration for Sport. It's a very significant case, not only for the athlete who is now allowed to compete, but also for sports lawyers, for reasons that Jim will explain in the interview. It's a fantastic interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for joining me and congratulations on the um, successful decision at the Court of Arbitration for Sport recently in the Jatta Chan case. Thank you, Sean, and thanks for having me. To start with... Can you explain who Dutta Chand is and why this case is of significance and how we ended up in this position where Safali has brought a case to the Court of Arbitration for Sport? Sure. Duty Chand is a 19-year-old uh, female Indian sprinter. And last year in July of 2014, she was barred from competition uh, by the Athletics Federation of India by application of the so-called hyperandrogenism regulation. That is a regulation that screens female athletes based on natural levels of testosterone. And if female athletes have a level of testosterone that is deemed too high by the athletics bodies, then they are suspended from competition and potentially um, prohibited from competing unless they take uh, steps to lower their testosterone levels through medical means. Um, duty was suspended in the days leading up to the World Junior Championships and the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. And uh, unfortunately, in her circumstance, the fact of her suspension under this regulation was uh, made public to the media. And people that didn't understand the regulation and what it means reported that it was a form of gender testing that she had failed. And so duty faced uh, very unfortunately, very public scrutiny about her gender. There were headlines that read, duty, boy or girl. Yeah, I, and, I remember reading those. Yeah, and it was, it was quite a, a terrible situation for her. Uh, she, had, she was fortunate, I suppose, in, in very difficult circumstances to have a woman named Dr. Payoshni Mitra uh, come to her. She's a, a female sports advocate in India and try and offer some assistance. And Dr. Mitra got in touch with some folks here in Canada in particular, Bruce Kidd, who's a kinesiology professor at the University of Toronto and a former Olympian. And Bruce uh, reached out to me, and we moved forward from there with an appeal to the Court of Arbitration from Sport from the Athletics Federation of India's decision, suspending duty under the regulation, and also, uh, of course, added in the IAAF because our second head of relief was to seek a declaration that the entire regulation was uh, void and, and, and inoperative. And so what were the um, arguments run about the regulations? At its core, the IAAF, uh, which I should note, their, their regulation is substantively similar, if not the same. There are a few differences, but more or less substantively similar to the IOC regulation in the same area. And, and both those international bodies, and I believe others as well in the sporting world, have, have formed the view that there is a need to ensure a level playing field in female competition. 
and they are of the view that women with naturally high testosterone uh, in the ranges prescribed under the regulations can have an advantage that would make uh, that would be unfair as compared to other women and therefore de-level the playing field. So that's the that's the rationale for the regulation and our challenge to the regulation was that it is you know at its core we had a number of grounds but our core ground was that it is a discriminatory regulation because it discriminates on two bases one it discriminates against an athlete based on their natural genetic traits and from our perspective there's no basis for doing that any more than there would be a basis for saying there should be a limit on the hand size or height of a female basketball player you know from our perspective the athletes who are most successful in the world are the ones who have uh, genetic traits that are outside the norm and that's what makes them exceptional yeah when i was um, studying sports science we looked at this at length you know it's that you know it's essentially the mutation of 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 your your genes over a period of time that causes you know a family to have to be uh, really tall or short or or you know have a better frame for weightlifting for example and no one is upset about that um exactly right and so our point here was why are we why are we regulating this particular natural trait uh, when we're not regulating others? And uh, we we then said if it's discriminatory, it is discriminatory. Sorry, I said there were two grounds. I apologize, uh, Sean. The first was discriminatory on that basis. The second is that it's discriminatory against women because we don't have a similar policy dealing with men's competition and testosterone, which which is what the regulation focuses on, is a naturally uh, occurring substance in our in our bodies both in men and women and everyone has different levels and so why are we screening women with high testosterone levels but not men with high testosterone levels so the theory is that as well if you've got higher testosterone levels then in theory or the theory had got or was i think widely accepted um was that you if you got higher testosterone levels you, you could be a more of a powerful athlete because men have a higher level of testosterone generally than women, and therefore that gives you the advantage because you can have more lean body mass and generate more power output. That, that's that's the correlation that's been asserted. Yes, I mean we don't need to get into the into the science on this call, but but we we did we did suggest in our in our uh, in the case before the court that there is though a difference between naturally produced endogenous testosterone and exogenous testosterone. But, but certainly the, the policy underlying the regulation is that testosterone, uh, whether it's natural or exogenous, has a performance-enhancing effect because of the reasons you said, which is that it increases lean body mass. Am I right that you were saying as well then that uh, on, those, on that basis, on those two factors then, the regulations you know, weren't actually uh, trying to achieve an illegitimate objective because they were discriminatory? Is that right? Uh, yes, sort of. Um, <laughs> so no, the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just let me just clarify. That's very polite of you. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Let me just clarify. So, uh, is it a legitimate objective to have a level playing field in sport? Yes, of course it is. Our, our point was that the playing field that the IAAF is trying to maintain in women's competition is illusory. There are so many things that go into athletic performance, whether it's a training regime access to Western science like hyperbolic chambers or genetic makeup like height, uh, fast twitch muscles, slow twitch muscles, better vision, lung capacity, all of those things, they all go into the mix of what makes an athlete successful. And you can't say that natural testosterone levels 
confer an advantage that would make the playing field unlevel. So yes, there's a legitimate objective to have a level playing field. That wasn't really disputed in the case, but our our, our point was you, the means you you follow to uh, to try and achieve that objective aren't necessary. Or proportionate. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's not not necessary or proportionate. That's right. And so, the outcome of the case is kind of unusual, uh, to say the least. It's not something I've seen before. Um, can you tell us, you know, what the decision of the panel was and what the ramifications for that are? Sure. So the decision of the panel was that the regulation is discriminatory uh, for for the reason I noted, which is that it, it screens athletes based on a natural genetic trait. And then the panel engaged in an, anal in an analysis as to whether the uh, regulation was necessary and proportionate to see whether or not that discrimination could be justified with a view to the level playing field and fair competition. And the panel concluded that the evidence before it did not demonstrate that women with naturally high testosterone levels have an advantage that is unfair uh, over their, their non-hyperandrogenic hyperandrogenic, it's a mouthful, <laughs> female, female peers. And on that basis, the panel did something uh, which is quite interesting, and they said that the regulation is suspended, and, the, and they've offered the IAAF uh, a two-year period of time in which to bring forward additional scientific data to try and demonstrate that, in fact, the performance advantage achieved by women with naturally high testosterone does make the playing field unlevel. And in particular, in that regard, the panel makes comments about how it seems to be accepted that the male-female divide has about a 10% performance difference. Men are 10% faster than women. And so what the panel is saying is that the IAAF needs to come forward and show that the advantage a woman with high natural testosterone levels obtains would provide her with a 10% advantage or, or more over her peers. And so the IAAF has two years to do that. If they choose not to do that, uh, or if they're unable to do that within that period of time, then the court has declared that the regulation will be permanently declared inoperative. And Dutty is now allowed to compete. She is. She she actually, because of the way the case proceeded, we we uh, were able to agree that she should have interim relief pending the CAS hearing. So she was allowed to compete on a national basis in the days leading up to the CAS hearing. And then following the CAS hearing, she was also permitted to compete in one international event, the Asian Championships. Uh, so this ruling, though, takes off all restrictions on her eligibility for competition. She can now compete nationally and internationally. I can only imagine how difficult this must have been for her over this period. One, to have you know, all these questions about your, your gender, essentially, um, flying in the media, but then also to you know, be suspended from the sport that you love and enjoy at such a young age when, you know, you've directed, I should imagine she's directed most of her attention to pursuing an athletics career and then to have it suspended. This decision, whilst a good one, it would seem, I think most people would agree on that. I'm sure that maybe the guys at the IAAF and um, their lawyers may not necessarily agree with that. You don't, she's not getting that time back. <laughs> she's, not, you know, no, she's not going to be restored to, to where she was. Um, you know, yeah, so I mean, I'm always a bit reluctant to speak on Duty's behalf because she's a lovely young woman and she speaks very well on her own behalf. 
but what you've seen in the media or comments from her that she's pleased with the result, but she's made exactly the same observation, which is she lost a lot of time. Duty, you mentioned, Sean, that, that she's mostly focused on sport. I would actually say, from my perspective, she's entirely focused on sport. She comes from a small rural village in India. She doesn't have running water in her home, and she's dedicated her entire life to running track and field. And I guess a bit of a cruel twist of irony, the first time she actually left Asia was to go to the CAS hearing in Lausanne. And she, the first time she should have left Asia would have been to compete in the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. So it's had a profound impact on her. And, and you're right, she can't get that time back. Yeah, I, when you hear these stories, you know, it's great that we are able to work in a sector where we can look at regulations and the law behind sport. But when you um, see how much it can impact someone's life and how important it is, um, you know, it's a significant step forward. I think maybe, you know, the fact that unfortunately she's had to suffer this, but, um, you know, she might, you know, hopefully there will be some good that comes from it in terms of her, her public profile um, and, and, and some of the sort of commercial opportunities that arrive from there and the support that she gets. And it's, you know, it's a it's a good case for a whole bunch of different reasons that as I said, we don't probably have time to cover in this call. Um, but it must have been, you know, a great case for you to work on. It must be, a, you know, these are these sorts of cases don't really come around that often, so it's fantastic. It must have been, you know, must be really pleased with it. It was a it was an honor to represent duty through this case. It was a very interesting issue. I had the pleasure of working opposite Jonathan Taylor and Elizabeth Riley at Bird and Bird, who are exceptional counsel and were courteous and professional throughout. So uh, it was, by all stretches, a, a very good experience from a lawyer's perspective, um, but but clearly not a good one at all for the for the appellant, duty shot. I guess we're going to be interesting to see how things develop from here, which I won't push you on, but it'll be interesting to see the significance of this, because uh, I mentioned to you earlier that I was speaking to uh, Marjolaine, who, who, who recently wrote an article for us on anti-doping and um, the use of scientific evidence essentially um, to prove adverse analytical findings and, and having that standard of proof. And it seems to me this is going to be an inc- a growth area for sports lawyers in the understanding and, and, and having scientifically valid regulations or evidence to underpin regulations is going to be something that whereas before it may not have been challenged so readily, I think this may open up, not the floodgates as such, but I think it will at least make, hopefully make the administrators think more thoroughly about their regulations and make sure that they do have the evidence there to make sure that they are proportionate. Yeah, I, I think that there are there are a number of comments in the decision that I expect we'll see argued in, in future cases involving any number of issues. For, from my point of view, what I think was the most significant uh, outcome was really the assertion by the Court of Arbitration for Sport of its role as the top independent sports adjudicative body and, and for the court to say, to international federations, you have charter principles, one of which is that every human being has the right to compete. And if you have lower ranking rules that are inconsistent with those higher ranking rules, we as this court will, will enforce them if you can't demonstrate that they are necessary and proportionate. And that's that's sort of analysis that you see in, in common law jurisdictions in the constitutional setting. And uh, I think it's it's very important that the Court of Arbitration for Sport has, has firmly now taken on that mantle and is able to render decisions like this. I shall finish on that note. That's a fantastic, fantastic summary. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations again on the case. Um, 
yeah, it really is a fascinating one. I have to read through the judge. I got forty-five pages into the judgment, then skipped to the skipped to the end essentially. Um, so I need to go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's very significant. This is an issue that comes up time and time again um, in, in people who write articles for us. So, uh, thank you so much, Sean. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, sadly, that's all we have time for for this show. But remember, for all your expert commentary and analysis on the latest legal issues and developments from the world of sport, go to lawinsport.com or follow us on Twitter at lawinsport. Thanks for tuning in.